Hey, theater people, Patrick here with a pretty big announcement. I am just over the moon to tell you that I have partnered with Today Ticks on a brand new podcast called Broadway Backstory, which premieres on Tuesday, November 15th. I've even made a little promo for the new podcast, and I'm going to play it for you now. My name is Patrick Hines. I'm the creator and host of the Theater People podcast. And I'm so excited to announce that I have partnered with Today Ticks on a brand new podcast called Broadway Backstory, which premieres on Tuesday, November 15th. Each episode of Broadway Backstory finds out how a show went from an idea to a full Broadway production. And the most exciting part is that we get the story from the people who lived it. The conceivers, actors, directors, composers, designers, producers, even the theater owners. They've all shared their amazing stories with us so that we can share them with you. Our first two episodes tell the unbelievable true backstory of the groundbreaking Tony Award winning In the Heights. Here's the show's creator and star, Lin-Manuel Miranda. In the Heights was not just figuring out the story of In the Heights. It was figuring out who the hell I was and what story I wanted to tell. And the show's director, Tommy Kale. What I knew how to do was create structure. And I knew how to say, let's look at these 20 minutes of the show. And let's pull it apart and put it back together and, and push this thing forward. But I didn't know producers. The five other shows we've picked to cover in our first season include Fun Home, the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, The Secret Garden, Legally Blonde, and Title of Show. In getting the backstories of these shows, we've talked to over 65 people. People like Lisa Crone and Janine Tesori, the Tony Award-winning composing team of Fun Home. And I loved writing for uh, a, a person who has not really been seen in musical theater, you know, in, in in shows where everybody is treated equally and people get made fun of and all that, I, it's not been true for, for gay women. Daisy Egan, who won a Tony Award when she was 11 for originating the role of Mary Lennox in The Secret Garden. I walked off stage and a stage manager came and took my Tony Award and I, th- I literally thought it was already being rescinded. Like I had done something, something in my speech disqualified me. And I was like, what are you doing? And they, and they were like, we're, we have to take this and engrave your name. Oh, okay. David Stone, the producer behind Wicked and Spelling Bee. And he said, do you want to do this? And I said, yes. He said, don't you want to read it? I said, I would love to read it. But you just said Bill Finn and a musical about a spelling bee. And the answer is yes. And guess what, you guys? We're ending our season with a seventh show chosen by you, our listeners. We've picked another five shows for you to vote on. You can vote once a day, and the most popular wins. And we'll get to work interviewing every person we can find who was involved with that show. You can subscribe to Broadway Backstory on iTunes, Google Play, or any place else that podcasts are found. For more information, exclusive bonus content, and to vote on what you think should be our final episode of the season, check us out at todaytix.com slash broadwaybackstory. Some shows are gone too soon. Others seem like they'll last forever. But they all began with an idea. We'll see you for episodes one and two on Tuesday, November 15th. How exciting, you guys! I can honestly say that creatively, I have never worked harder on anything in my life. 
I would be so grateful if you'd subscribe to Broadway Backstory. You can find it in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Also, I would love for you to vote on what you think should be the last episode of our first season. If you go to todaytix.com slash broadwaybackstory and click on the voting option, you'll see the five shows we picked for you to vote on, and you can see how they're stacking up against each other. It's super fun. And you can vote once a day. So if you see a show you really want us to cover, keep voting for it. And for extra credit, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. The handle is at B-Way Backstory. I love you guys, and I cannot wait for you to hear our new show. Okay, now to today's show. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. I have to say, you guys, today's guest, Mandy Gonzalez, is one of the loveliest, most charming people I've ever gotten to chat with. We met up in her dressing room at the Richard Rogers Theater just a week or two after she'd begun her run as Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton. She seemed to be just so happy, and her happiness was infectious. Mandy made her Broadway debut as the Amneris standby in Aida. She eventually took over the role full-time. She went on to originate roles in the Broadway productions of Dance of the Vampires and Lennon, before being cast in her breakthrough role as Nina in Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights, a role she had taken on in the show's pre-off-Broadway days. From there, she went on to star as Elphaba in the Broadway company of Wicked, and now, as I mentioned, she can be seen eight times a week back at the Rogers in the hottest show on Broadway, Hamilton. I just love her. Oh, and stay tuned at the end of our chat with Mandy for a chat I had with Jillian and Bianca, the hosts of Hamilcast, a Hamilton podcast that I'm obsessed with. Okay, here's Mandy. I kept the light up here because uh-huh. uh, Renee said that she had added that and that it was very important to her. And I also kept a couple plants that were very important. This was um, Pippa's plant, and uh-huh. then Renee left this plant. Oh, and this plant. So I said that I would take care of them. And they're so beautiful. What a so great she's here, yeah. regardless. Do you guys? Did you spend time in here before? We just kind of started. I didn't even meet you. Hi, Mandy Gonzalez. Hi. How are you? I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so excited to meet you too. You're you are like stunningly beautiful. Oh gosh, thank you. We should just get that out of the way. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate. It. Let's just get that out of the way. Just please. I don't want it to be an elephant in the room. Um, thanks. Did you spend a lot of time in here? <laughs> There's an elephant on the wall, you guys. Um, did you spend time in here before going into the role? I did. Well, this is my old dressing room from in the night. Oh, my God. Of course. So it looks a lot different because um, it used to have two uh, two tables. So there was another table right here. So this was my table. And then this Renee was like, get that table out of here. She was like, get that out. I don't know if she got it out or somebody else. There's been the other shows before. But I, I imagine she was like, no, I want to hang some stuff. So um, it looks different. And then Renee got this lovely couch and it fits perfectly. I had like a chair and it wasn't 
Did she let you keep it? Yeah, she let me keep the couch. Renelis Goldsberry, you're so nice. I know. She's so loving and wonderful. Oh my god, She's so wonderful to me. The Angelicas are like. I I think if you're like everybody has a favorite Hamilton character I'm sure but like if you're like me the Angelicas are always going to be your favorites I so, hope so yeah <laughs> um I, I'm asking you so many questions out of order but like yeah, it's okay. how is it to be back in your old dressing room oh it's wonderful it's really it's like being back home you know a lot of the same crew from in the heights yeah. and when I walked in you know Jimmy the doorman and uh Angelo everybody was like Mandy <laughs> mi gente I mean so it was uh you know it, it really is like coming home and I know a lot of it, I know everybody so it's it's really nice how because you're part of like the the Lynn crew yeah. how did you get did you spend a lot of time backstage specifically with the Hamilton folks before you went in not a lot of time because um, Tommy had called me to say that they they wanted to offer me the role of Angelica, um, <laughs> which was the best call in the whole world. And I said, of course. And he said, the, a great thing is, is that the girl um, that's playing it in Chicago is going to be gone for a few weeks during rehearsal. So you can come and work with the entire creative team. So I really was with the company in Chicago. Are they talking about Karen Olivo? I'm talking about Karen. Yeah, Karen. The girl. Yeah, the girl. Um, one of my best friends. She was um, she was out of town. She had another job that she was committed to. So I went in and I rehearsed with the entire Chicago company and I was on the turntable. So I really got an experience of what it was like. And then um, and then they said, okay, well, we're going to bring you to Broadway so you can meet everybody and start working with everybody. But really, when you come in and you replace, you kind of work with everybody uh, a week you know, you, you work in a room by yourself for about a month and then you get a week with with everybody. You do a put-in rehearsal, which is you in costume. Everybody's in street clothes and it's kind of embarrassing. And then you're on, you know. So I was lucky. I was so fortunate to get um, four weeks with uh, the, working with the Chicago company to really develop the character that I wanted to bring to uh, to the show. So when I came in New York, it was I, I had a an idea of what I wanted to do, and so then it, it the work just continues. I have so many questions, not the yeah, least of which being sure. that Miguel Cervantes is a bastard, right? What do you mean? I'm just kidding. He I went to college with Miguel. I know yeah. we oh, did um, Gypsy together. We went to Emerson. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was the ass end of the cow the year in Gypsy that he was um, whatever that lead boy character's name is. That's fantastic. Yeah. Tulsa? Tulsa. Nice. Right. Yeah. Oh, I can totally see Miguel as Tulsa. That's so cool. So he's like the nicest person in America. He is. He's wonderful. And uh, it's a wonderful company in Chicago. So I felt so blessed to be able to work with them and get to know them and then um, and then come here and get to know this company. So, Can you tell me more about that phone call from Tommy? Did you have any idea it was coming? No, I had no idea. I got a text from Tommy that day, and he said, hey, it's Tommy. Give me a call. <laughs> and, you know, I, I go way back with these guys. So, yeah. But it's not like that happens every day. And so I, you know, I was like, well, should I call him right back? I, I don't know. <laughs> and then, um, and of course, I gave it, you know, I was I played it cool, and I gave it probably like five minutes. And then good, I... Wow, well, good, good yeah. on you. And then I immediately called back, and he said, hey, so um, how do you feel about joining the company on Broadway as Angelica. And I, I said, that would, 
Let me think. That would be amazing. <laughs> the gay squeal happened on the inside for me just then. Oh, very nice, very nice. But it's just it's one of those calls that you that you dream about and I was so so excited. So no audition. No like come sing through it with Alex and make sure whatever it works. It was just like No, I've been around. So it's like <laughs> That's true. Tommy knows like they know what I can do. They know they know me and I think that it just is one of those roles that at this time in my life just fits. So I think Tommy knew that. Can I ask a technical question? Sure. How does that... So, like, in terms of, like, compensation and what you're going to get, like, is the next thing, like, yes, I want to do it, talk to my agent? Pretty much. I mean, Tommy is I creative control, and they all have creative control in that way, but all business stuff goes through other people. That's so cool that you can do be like, that, like just two good friends can be like, yep, I'm going to come join your hottest show on Broadway and then let the other people work out the details. Yes, that's why you have people so that they yeah. can do their, that's what they do and they're really good at it. So, yeah, oh, that's you know. so exciting. Yeah. In terms of the role itself, how much of it do you get to bring, how much of it do you get to bring and how much do they want you to do a lot of what Renee did? I think uh, when Tommy casts any show and when he's casting replacements and things like that, he's not really looking for replacement uh, quotation mark because I think he's looking for you to bring what you bring to it. And um, I think that he was very open with that. The, the role is what it is and he looks for those traits that you might fit and he is willing and wanting to work with you he's an incredible director and he wants you to bring you to the role so um he was very open with that to be myself and do that what is your favorite part of the show oh there's so many parts you know okay besides satisfied oh my god sisters which is just amazing my favorite part is uh, doing the opening of Alexander Hamilton and standing in line with the entire cast and singing together and the power that that is and then turning my head and walking backwards and then getting with my sisters. Um, I just think that the whole thing is staged so beautifully how we're storytellers and then we're slowly coming into, you know, who we're going to be in the show. And I, I don't know, there's such a rush and there's such a rush in the audience when Javi walks out and he's Alexander Hamilton and everybody goes, ah! and start screaming there's nothing like it you know and I'm just I just get to stand there and then it's very subtle moves like the snaps but then you know the movement gets more and more and I I just love it I think I got to talk to Lynn and Tommy about this about the amount of storytelling that gets done in that four minute song oh it's it's brilliant it really is a masterpiece and when I started rehearsals and I opened up the score for the first time I realized I mean, you know, you realize it when you watch it, but I realize what a masterpiece it is in all aspects, like directing, choreography, music, lyrics. It's just it, it's just one of those one of those phenomenons. How is it? So working with Javier, you guys go back to In the Heights, right? We go way back. <laughs> how is it to how is it to get to how is he as a as a cast leader? And how is it not that you all aren't cast leaders, but like being the, the name he title character? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I understand what you're asking. Um, he is a class act. He is, and Javi has worked very hard, and he's very respected in our community. And I think that he is 
wonderful in this part and he's wonderful for the cast and the company every week he sends everybody um he sends the whole company juice press so that we all have like different um juices to keep our energy up and he just he cares so much and you see that in his performance and you see that um when he's backstage as well how is it how is it last question about hamilton okay. how is it to be oh, so I, know, I, I know well i have so many questions for you how is it to join the phenomenon of hamilton like how how is what is that like I'm still processing it, I think. Um, when you walk out of a stage door and everybody's cheering, um, it's like something you've never really experienced before. Wicked is also uh, a show that was so big for me, but there's it, it just has a different kind of feeling, and there's such an importance behind this show and this story and the character that I'm portraying that it really does, it does change lives. And, uh, and I think that, being part of it, you just have to kind of hold on. It's the same with the show. Once the show starts, it just keeps going. Like, you know, musically, it just, you. there's no getting off. There's no stopping and going, oh, if you go off a lyric, it's not like you can vamp the song. No, there's more lyrics right after that. So I think with this ride, I just have to hold on and just do the work and have a great have a great time. So it's it's an incredible ride so far. I totally lied. Another Hamilton question. Okay. How is the rapping? Wonderful. Did is is that something that you had in your wheelhouse already or did you have to learn how to do that? I cannot figure out listening to the album where you breathe in that. I don't know how you do it. Um I think that the great thing about Lynn and Alex is that they really made for satisfied. It's really you're you're telling a story and I did grow up listening to a lot of hip hop, a lot of rap, so I do have a love of of that music, and um, and I think that if you're true to the to the lyrics and to the story, you figure it out because the phrases are there to sing, and you know there are periods and there are those times where it goes, okay, this was a sentence, and it's not just continue continuously like running on. So um, so I think that if you tell the story, you you figure it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, can we talk about In the Heights? Sure. So I'm working on this other project, and I have had so much support from like Lynn and Tommy and Kevin McCollum and Jill Foreman. Oh I'm doing God. a thing uh, where we're a new podcast where we're telling the story of how a show goes from an idea to a full production, and we're doing two episodes about In the Heights. So I've talked to all those people, and yeah. I'm curious about you. When did you join? When did you get involved with In the Heights? I got involved with In the Heights in 2004. And I got a call from my agents that said that they were putting together a show. Um, it was a new show written by Latinos, and they wanted to have Latino actors in the company. And would I mind going to meet with um, Alex Lacamoire and uh, Thomas Kale in uh, the basement of the drama bookshop to see what this was? You're like, where now? I'm like, what? Um, no, I mean, if you're an actor in New York, especially now and at that time, um, you knew what the drama bookshop was. So 
but I'd never been to the basement. So <laughs> I'm imagining like one light. Yeah, it was a new it was a new thing. And I had worked with Alex before. Um I had done I was in the ensemble of the reading for Wicked. We're gonna talk about that. And so Alex still had long hair. Oh my god, his hair. All of your hair, all of your curly, curly hair people. It's so gorgeous. We have so much product. But I feel like (laughs) he still had long hair in the basement and then maybe when we went to the reading he cut it. But um but I just met with Alex and he kinda wanted to see how where my voice was and how to place different things and I met Tommy and of course like I thought he was super funny and um and brilliant but uh so then i got to the reading and we all sat around a table this was not in the drama um, basement but it was at a rehearsal studio and we went around this table and i think andrea burns was there olga Meredith, chris jackson um and we sat around and tommy said okay well we're we're just going to read through the script because none of us know any of the music. And Lynn said, yes, you guys don't know any of the music yet. Usually when you start a show, you you start learning the music right away. And then you get up and maybe in a couple days you do like the read through. So Tommy just wanted to hear the script. And Lynn said, I know none of you know the music, so I'm just going to sing everything. <laughs> Which is just totally Lynn. Um, and he started and he started with lights up on Washington Heights and we all just kind of turned our heads and were like, who's this guy and what is this? And he's amazing and I want to be part of it. So it changed a lot from that reading. Um, I did another show in between that, uh, the show and then the workshop. And for the workshop, I went into audition for Nina. And I remember sitting with Olga Merides, who was also auditioning um, at the time. Oh, maybe Olga wasn't in the re- in the reading, the initial reading. I think it was... Maybe Doreen Montalvo? Doreen, I got to talk to her, yes. too. I feel like it was Doreen Montalvo that was, uh, but I could be totally wrong, yeah. um, that was Abuela. But I saw uh, Olga in the waiting room, and she was like, well, what do you think? And I said, this is a hit. I said, this is a hit, Olga. And she goes, you think so? And I said, yes. <laughs> and, then, and then I went in, and I auditioned, and Olga came in to read a scene with me, and that was it. It was, like, meant to be, and I did the workshop, and then... From the workshop, we went on to Off-Broadway, and then we went to Broadway, and the rest is history. was it to get to originate a role like that written by those people on Broadway? It was a dream come true. You know, growing up in California, I had listened to a lot of soundtracks. I had seen a lot of different movies. Um, my parents had Laserdisc when we were growing up. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. But we had West Side Story. And so you could watch the first part and then you had to turn the disc. <laughs> um, we had Oklahoma. We had everything. And so I would listen to those soundtracks and I would just want to be one of those voices and dreamed about that. And for In the Heights to be the first show that that happened on, I you can't ask for anything more. It's such an iconic role now. And uh, and such it was so special to me and it meant so much so much that character so um and those guys just they mean the world to me i mean they're 
honestly, like everybody in that company is like my family and we really created that. And I think that the show kind of that happens when you do that show because it was created with such love and and we worked really hard. Where did you get that insane voice? My insane voice? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. But um, <laughs> I'm insane. No, I got it. Uh, I got my voice, I would say, from my father. Mm-hmm. Um, who was a singer in a band uh, when he was younger. And then um, when he had us, he sold his, I remember he sold, like he had these, uh, they weren't woofers, but they were like these speakers um, that he had had for the band. And he told my mom that like, now's the time that I sell this and I start, you know, a real job or whatever. And so he sold his equipment and he, um, he stopped singing. And then, they had, I'm the youngest of three, they had me and I was the one that kind of would sing back to different music. Um, Sundays with my dad were our day to spend with him. He worked, my both my parents worked very hard and my father worked three jobs and he worked swing shift. Uh-huh. Um, and that's when you work overnight. So you work 11 to 7. So. What did he do? Um, my dad did a lot of different things. My father works... Um, in a warehouse right now in uh, Los Angeles. He works for maintenance for the city of Los Angeles. He's done so many different things. Um, he did what, what he had to do yeah. always. But my, we moved to this certain part of uh, California because my dad worked in a glass factory called wow. Thatcher Glass. And he made bottles and things like that. And then um, when I was really young, the plant closed because, of course, now everybody uses plastic. So that changed our life completely. But my dad worked swing shift at that plant growing up and so Sundays were about being with my dad so um, my mom needed a break she had three of us and so (laughs) I don't know what kind of break you get but um, but Sundays were about watching Laserdisc Elvis movies with my dad and we watched Elvis 68 Comeback, Viva Las Vegas, all the musicals and um, and I fell in love with that that music and then I fell in love um, my because both my parents worked my grandma watched us a lot and uh she loved big torch singers like oh, Judy Garland, yeah. Ethel Merman, um, Edie Gourmet, Tammy Terrell. So I listened to all that kind of music and wanted to emulate that. And so my grandma would babysit us, and I was the only grandchild that ever sang back to anything. And she was like, Robin, to my mom, <laughs> we have to get this girl into lessons. And so she found a performing group out there in California, and my grandma took me to all my lessons and, and everything like that. So the voice, the talent, I think definitely comes from my father, but the love and um, drive, I think, comes from my grandma. <laughs> Do you you have, like, cords of steel? You have to, oh, because you. You, did, you went right from In the Heights into Wicked with, like, a four-week break or something, right? I had no break. So I went straight from, I had, a, I think I had a maybe five days off. So I went on vacation, and then I started in Wicked. And I think that I feel like I just try to serve the story I really do when I sing and I I try to what the songwriters have written I try to bring I I try to let the audience um feel those things that the the character are feeling so I I don't think so much about the singing or how hard it is or you know what riff I'm gonna do it's about (laughs) it's about the story and the emotion and that's where it all comes from because I there's so much do you ever do you ever lose your voice? Like, has that ever happened to you? Knock on wood, no, it hasn't. Amazing! My goodness, that is so. I mean, other than like getting sick, yeah, yeah, that yeah. did happen to me um, once. That I got like laryngitis yeah. and um, and I got really sick, and that then I I got you know when you get sick you got to go out, yeah. but it's um 
you know, it's the same thing. If I get sick or something happens, I have to miss a show. Like, I feel terrible, but I I really try to stay healthy, and I'm pretty hard on myself, so it's like, you know. In general, you have very bored understudies. Um, no. <laughs> well, I hope they're not bored. Um, but I think that, you know, understudies, standbys on, on Broadway, they – they're, it's like the best job and you learn so much. When I first started on Broadway, I was Adina Menzel's standby. And she was never out. And so she did... In Aida, right? In Aida. And she did the first three months, I think, without being out. And it was my first Broadway job after I did this show, Eli's Coming Off Broadway. And I think I was like, huh, ter- terrified until I got to go on. But by the time I went on, it was like I was so ready. And when you're ready... For something and you work really hard I think only good things can happen and it just so happened that night that I went on that all the producers were there and the director was there so eventually I got the role so it's like whatever you're doing you just have to stay focused even if you're waiting in the dressing room for three months to yeah. go on you kind of and you learn you learn from the people that that you get to watch like watching her every night was the master class you know in mm-hmm. itself I, I didn't know that about you until I was doing my research earlier today about your that you were Amneris. Yes. And I was one of those little gays that saw that show a hundred times or whatever. And, like, of course, discovered Sherry Renee Scott through oh, that yeah. show. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine getting to see you do that. Like, what amazing music to get to sing. Oh, it was great. It was great. And I think when I went in the role, um, Taylor Dane was yes. doing it. And I was a huge Taylor Dane fan. <laughs> Taylor to my heart. Yes. So, I mean, there's a little Elvis in there. So... In her voice, but um, so that was really cool to see her as Amneris, and then to see her take on it, and then to see somebody like Adina, it was it really was such a learning curve. Um, but to sing Elton John's music mm-hmm. was, and Tim Rice. I mean, you know, I it's, grew up listening to like Jesus Christ Superstar and all those things mm-hmm. that I so wanted to be a part of, but just haven't yet. So we, uh, it was really hot over the summer. So we had to think of things to do with our two and a half year olds. We were like, let's go to the Met. Right. And we were wandering through the Egyptian and I just couldn't stop saying this. is a story. My husband was ready to murder me. No, I understand. <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite places in New York. The Met. Yeah. Um, the Hudson Valley painters, I believe that's the, oh, the area. Those yeah. are some of my favorite paintings to just kind of yeah. stay and, and look at, but I love the Met. Yeah. It's it's really beautiful. You learn to love it, especially, too, when you have a little kid and it's 105 degrees outside. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You learn to love anything. <laughs> exactly. Anything with an air conditioner. So you did – when did the Wicked reading come to you? This is such an interesting ah. tidbit. I was in the reading. I was in Aida. Um, and Adina – this was when I was her standby. She was like, oh, I'm doing – she was so nice to me and wonderful. Um and she said, oh, I'm doing this new show. It's called Wicked, and I'm rehearsing and this and that. And I said, oh, that's so cool. And then when I took over in Aida, my agent came and said, hey, they're, they'd like you to come and join the ensemble. I think I had done another reading with Joe Mantello um, before that for, oh, what did I do with Joe? Um, I did a couple readings with Joe. And so he is – I think very loyal when it comes to mm-hmm. working with people and he called my agents or he had the casting director call my agent, however it works. And, uh, they called me to come and be a part of that. And I was with Celia, um, Keenan Bolger so and crazy. Christian Borrell. Like we were all in the ensemble. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine. And, uh, and so I saw Dina and she was like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, but it was really, we just went through the first act and, 
you know, everybody was, it was a buzz to just watch it and go, oh, what's this? This is special. And then Adina, like, yeah, just of course. killed, like, every song. Can I ask why? Okay, so you're a principal in a Broadway show. So you have, you're doing eight shows a week already. Mm-hmm. And they want you to come and do ensemble work during your, like, during the day? Right. Why would you want to do that? Because that's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> you get here because you work really hard. And Can you tell I'm not an actor? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Well, that's why you're here. I mean, you're here to do work. You're here to, you know, it keeps going. You know, the train keeps moving. And so, you know, if somebody calls you with a really good project, you don't want to miss out. And you say, okay, um, as long as I can do my show and I have a really good healthy routine with that, then I can do a reading or or something like that because the drive doesn't stop just because you have a job. Like you have to keep that, you have to keep that going, whatever it is, the fire has to, (laughs) the fire has to be fed. (laughs) Can we talk a little bit about Wicked when you did it? Sure. So how, how was that? What a stupid question, but you know what I mean? It's not a stupid question. I think that it's funny because everybody thinks that, Oh, what do people say? Oh, would you ever do it again? Would you ever do it again? And um, and it was amazing, but no. <laughs> but everybody says that. Everybody that we've had on our show that did it is like, no, I would never do that again. No. But it's incredible because it really is a marathon. And it's it's the best marathon that you can have. I, I, I would say that probably Javi, can, Javi knows what that's like and, um, and Brandon because their roles are the same where they're always on stage. But you're not always on stage. You're like – carrying around this 10 pound broom you're painted green you have to go up and down like trap doors you um you're on a rake stage which means that the so you really feel like a rock star but and you fly Mm -hmm. so it's um once you're done you're done but it was incredible and i think that i proved so much to myself with doing that role you know when i started rehearsing um i started to run um on a treadmill i mean i run anyway (laughs) but they have a treadmill upstairs because i was running and i would sing and they said you know the dress weighs like 10 15 pounds that you wear in the second act so you just kind of have to get ready for all of that and um and so they said you know you should you should run and sing and get that your stamina built up. And so oh, stamina is an interesting word right now. But um, sorry. Uh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Sorry. And um, so you do. You have to build yourself up. And it is like running a marathon for a year of and you just that's your life. And you are, you know, you can't really do too much else. So in that show, it's very hard to do an extra reading or mm-hmm. you know, auditions and things like that. So. By, but when that was done, I was like, okay, that was really, really amazing. And I got to work with Andy Carl. And oh, I love him so much. A dear friend and uh, Kathy Fitzgerald and Katie Rose Clark. So mm-hmm. it, and then Joe came and, and he did um, rehearsals with us. And so I felt like I also got to put my own spin on the character. And she's such a beautiful character to play. And it's such a strong female presence on stage. So I, I loved it. How does that flying mechanism work? I've never, I've had like five alphabets, but you're like, we fly. That's why they hire us. I can't tell you. But I, um, I had one night where I had like some, there were some mechanism problems, um, which was totally terrifying. But, you know, all I can say is it works and, um, you can't move too much when you're up there. Uh Cause when I sing, a lot of times I like to get my stance yeah. kind of like Elvis um, but I do I like to get my stance and, and belt it out and in that show you can't 
move your legs apart at all like when you're standing up there so that's like a whole other thing um because i did move my legs out and like you could fall (gasps) i didn't fall but you can learn that like really quick are you hooked into something um maybe yes (gasps) yeah but you're safe you're safe but i'm saying that you could like you could lose your balance not that you'll fall off but you'll feel like wobbly. wobbly yeah Okay, I'm ter- I'm terrified crack. of you Robert. might crack. Yeah. <laughs> that was no joke. Oh god, I, I don't. Those turntables scare me. I don't know how you do that. They did at first, me too. But um, is it fast? Not my numbers, but a couple of the numbers, it gets pretty fast, and then it moves two different ways sometimes. Yeah. So um, the ensemble in this show is just. I mean, it's the moves alone are incredible. The lifts, all that. All that, and then they also add like a turntable. But you know, to be a dancer, uh, to be in the ensemble on any show on Broadway, you have to be like, you, you have to be somebody that that works really hard and then just can just hit it. So it, there's no exception with the dancers and singers in the show. Just like last dish question, but can we talk? Okay, so we had David Corns on the show. And I'm obsessed with him. He walked into the room, and I literally yelled at him because he was so handsome. I wasn't expecting it. Oh my god, I love that. I was like, "You're so I can't. funny." Yeah, I know. He's so funny. It's like getting him and Tommy in a room is like, what is happening? <laughs> they're all just so. And so Tommy's quick. so like dry. Oh yeah, dry but quick. <laughs> totally. You can't like you can't get past him. But I was just I now ever since having him on the show, I'm obsessed with the set and the space and like what is it like to inhabit that live that physical space every night. Um, I think that it just adds so much to the story and to the character um, during, what is it, wait for it. They wanted to, Andy wanted to make sure that we touch like the set in some way. And it's, when you do touch that the wood, it's like very smooth and mm-hmm. it does add to what you're feeling and what your emotion is. And I think being above and watching and judging and then sometimes not judging being part of the story but being an observer it just it's brilliant you know and the lighting and everything when you walk up the stairs and you're in these shadows and you come up it's just it's haunting Amanda Gonzalez, I'm obsessed with you. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you for being on the Theater People podcast. Oh, my pleasure. This was awesome. Let's do it again sometime. All right. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye. One of my favorite things about being a part of this wacky digital media arm of the Broadway community is getting to meet the other people who do similar things to what I do. Last week, I got to hang out with Jillian and Bianca, the ladies behind the great Hamilcast, a Hamilton podcast. We chatted about podcasting and Hamilton and why we do what we do. And I wanted to share that conversation with you now. Hi, you guys. Hello. Hi. All right. Let's say, okay, tell, say your name and then tell the people what you do. Hi, my name is Jillian Pensavalli. I am the creator and co-host of the Hamilcast. Fab and? I'm Bianca Soto, the co-creator and also co-host of the Hamilcast. I love you guys. I love your podcast. And I remember the day that you guys came on the scene. I remember seeing your podcast pop up in the feed. I was like, what is this? Wait, can you tell us about it? Because we don't know the story. Oh, I mean, there's not much more to the story. The thing is, as like, so I've I've told you guys this before that like when when I started doing theater, people there were no other theater. There was like one or two other theater podcasts. High Ensemblast, um, and 
then all of a sudden there was a ton of theater podcasts. But like the idea of a Hamilton podcast never even occurred to me. So before we get to what made you guys want to do it, questions. What level of what when I started uh, theater people, I knew nothing about podcasting. I didn't even know what a sound file was. What was your level of knowledge when you started? Well, I, I know tech stuff pretty well. I edited the web series that my husband and I have, the residuals. I did a lot of editing. I just know if something doesn't work, I Google it. I can just do it well. I know Final Cut. I know all this. So I figured it can't be that hard, right? Wrong. <laughs> because there's so much more involved in it when you're editing a conversation and trying to take the ums, us, us, whatever. There's construction outside my apartment all the time where we record. So there's the sound situation and there's the social media there's just so much more to it so I knew confidently the tech stuff I could do I didn't know how long the tech stuff would take and I also figured there's no loss we're not going to be concerned about talking about Hamilton like that that part was easy Bianca yeah I mean so basically as far as podcasting goes I mean we I don't think we have necessarily Jillian's a host she has a hosting background we're both actors so we have uh, experience in that realm and we both have worked in radio so it's a little bits here and there but like the act of actually producing a weekly show something completely foreign to us um but we were just so excited to do it that we were like, let's just do this. Okay, great. We'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. I feel like that's how most podcasts get made. How, tell me where the idea for the like the idea of doing a Hamilton podcast came from. Jillian. Um a a text message a group text which uh, my best friend Ashley Grafeo was also in on, and we were just sort of texting, and it was a marathon Hamilton text lyric quote thing. And I said to Bianca, let's just start a podcast. And she said, okay. And we didn't plan it. It happened. I said that four days later, we recorded our first episode, and then we, I just said, uh, let's just put it up now. And that's, we didn't, we don't have any episodes in the can. We do it week by week. So it's stressful, but it's super fun and we are literally nonstop. What was the landscape of Hamilton-themed podcasts when you started? Um, landscape of Hamilton podcasts. There were none. We were the first one. You guys were the first, right? Yeah. Because we looked. We were like, surely somebody has thought of this. And, and there wasn't any. So we're like, well, shoot. Let's do it. So where did you guys find yourselves on the charts when you debuted? Like, were people just going berserk? Jillian? I think it's a little weird, as you know, iTunes, you're not sure what the, you can't really gauge that, but as someone who looks at our stats, I'm not going to say obsessively, but often we've been really, we, it resonated very quickly with people and that we got more, not just in the numbers, but in the social engagement and the emails that we were receiving, we knew that we really struck a chord with people. And we really, at first were like, well, we'll just talk about it and maybe other I mean, we know other people are talking about it. Maybe people will care that we're talking about it together. And then almost instantly we were getting these emails and tweets that were genuine and heartfelt and just just people bearing their souls. And we thought, oh, shit, we we kind of stumbled on something really special here. What was your relationship to Hamilton before you started doing this? Like, are, were, had you seen the show? Had you read the book or did, was it just like, let's do something that people will talk about? So we both came from two very different perspectives, which was part of when we were trying to be like, what are we going to talk about? We're like, we can have differing views. So I had seen it. I had seen it twice. I saw it off Broadway at the public. And then I magically won the lottery one day. I did too. My husband won it one day and then I won it the next day. Whoa, that's awesome. So I had seen it twice and Jillian was familiar, had just recently a couple months prior had become obsessed with the cast recording. So 
I had I had seen it. Jillian had not, but we were equally obsessed. We had not read the book. That was part of our um, idea was, well, this will be a great thing. We can go chapter by chapter, or as we call it, chirpters, <laughs> um, and talk about the book. And obviously, that's what we've been doing. We have take some breaks here and there when we are lucky enough to have great guests or other things that we like to talk about. But we also do focus on the Chernow book as well. And so, Jillian, you had not seen it? No, I'm a crazy person that started a podcast about something that she had never seen. And that is baller. I I am so into that. I love that so much. Follow your follow your bliss, people. Seriously, and uh, you know, I couldn't not talk about it and I just felt drawn to it and I just I needed to do it. It was just, it was it's very weird, but um yeah. Had you read the book? No. So you were kind of talking about like what people were talking. That's amazing. There there's whole industries built up on just talking about what other people are talking about. Well, and I loved it, too. I was listening to the cast recording. I was obsessed with it. And I was devouring and reading everything that I could. And I wanted to read the Chernout book. And I thought, well, this will be kind of cool because it's a, I know it's pretty dense. And I don't know if I'd really I need some I need accountability buddies really to, <laughs> to read a, a book of this caliber. And I thought, hey, well, let's talk about it. And then we keep getting these really cool, amazing guests. And so sometimes there are weeks and weeks where we don't discuss a chirpter. I'm, re- I'm determined to make it's it's fair. why do we call it that because it's the churn out chapter oh my god of course can we talk for a second about Hamilton's America we can talk for as many seconds as you'd like about it so I watched it last night or the night before how about that scene where Lynn is sitting in Aaron Burr's bedroom you know you might have to have watched the documentary to understand the context of what we're talking about he's sitting in his in in Burr's bedroom on a laptop working on the show let me tell you, I'm not exaggerating. Ten minutes before you came over, my mom called me to discuss that scene. Even though we texted after she watched it on Friday, she was like, well, you know when Lynn is in that beautiful, that beautiful striped chair? Because my mom, <laughs> my mom loves antiques. My apartment is full of antiques that I got yeah. from my mom and her family. But she was like, and that cool laptop cover that he had with the typewriter? Did you know that Tom Hanks has an app about a typewriter? And I wonder if that's from... I'm like, mom, I love, I love... That she is now sending me clippings in the mail. My mom lives in Queens, by the way. I see her often. Uh-huh. Just sending me. And she goes, Jillian, okay, stop me. I'm sure you know all of this. But I just want to <laughs> say that when Lynn was in that room and that thing, um, I, it was amazing. It was yeah. incredible and moving. And I don't even know where to start about it. It was beautiful. Bianca, what were your takeaways from Hamilton's America? Um, well, I, oh gosh, it was just so exciting. I really loved seeing the process of, I said this um, on an episode of our podcast where we talked about it, that the the cast going on these field trips yeah. <laughs> to all these beautiful and historical sites and some were, you know, you could see they really resonated with the cast members very much. Like when Chris Jackson went to uh, Mount Vernon and he went into the slave quarters and you, all this stuff that you don't normally see. So I really liked seeing the perspective of everybody really getting all this information as they were preparing for their roles. Yeah. Well, what else do you guys want to say? Like, what what do you think that people need to know about your podcast, Jillian? Oh, wow. What they need to know. We have so much fun. It's great. You don't have to see it to listen to it. If I didn't have to see it to start it, you don't have to have seen it to be listening to it. We welcome your emails. I'm just so bowled over, really, and I feel like a broken record. But the gratitude that Bianca and I feel are just it's just so overwhelming. The emails that we get from these people saying that it feels like they're hanging out in my apartment and that's really an amazing compliment like when you hear sirens because it's just this it's real i mean it's it's not yeah and we we just 
we feel that a lot of the Hamilton cast members use their platform for good, whether it's with Graham Wyndham or anti-bullying or anything. And we feel that way with our podcast. We love having guests that will relate anything to Hamilton. But if there's something that we believe in, we had Zeke Stokes from Glad on talking about anti-bullying and Spirit Day. And I'm so inspired by that, using Hamilton as a great conversation starter and then talking about really important things. Well, that's actually was my question for you, Bianca. What are you guys going to do when you run out of chapters? What are you going to do when you get to the end of the book? You know, so many people ask us that, and we don't have a real plan yet. There's plenty of Chernow still left to dive into. Um, we've gotten a lot of suggestions from people possibly going into other books. Chernow also, also wrote a Washington book that we've heard is great. There's also... Just a bunch of things. I don't know. We're tossing it around. We don't really have an exact plan yet. And there are so many other productions. Any cast member that wants to hang and, and talk with us, we're open to. There are so many people on our wish list that we would love to have a conversation with. So there are so many turnout chapters, tripters, hashtag tripters, <laughs> and so many people involved in this show. And the, the ripple effect is, I mean, there's really no limits to who we can talk to and what we can talk about. All right, you guys, let's do a quick dun, 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 dun to close it out. One, two, three. Dun, 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 dun. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman... You can find Hamilcast in iTunes or Stitcher or any place else that podcasts live. And you can check out their website, which is thehamilcast.com. Just a reminder to check out our new podcast, Broadway Backstory, which you can find on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any place else you get your podcasts. And vote on the show that you think we should cover in our season one finale. You can see the shows you get to pick from and vote at todaytix.com slash broadwaybackstory. Also, you can support theater people by making a small pledge via our Patreon page, and you'll get really cool rewards for doing so. You can find the link on our website, which is theaterpeople.com, which of course is theater with an E-R-P-P-L.com. Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Special thanks as always to Steve Tipton, Bradley Behan, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ricky Condos, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back in two weeks with the fabulous Tony-nominated Emily Skinner. Until then... Tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Get your education. Don't forget from whence you came. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. But just you wait. Just you wait. When he was ten, his father Smith. Full of it, dead, ridden two years later. See Alex and his mother bedridden, half dead, sitting in their own sick bed.